Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Anya Steiner, and you're listening to WET, the show where we talk about fascinating under-the-sea phenomena. And today, we're going to get tangled up in ghost fishing. Amongst the many human-caused phenomena in the ocean is the elusive act of ghost fishing. A big problem that has gotten a small amount of media attention, ghost fishing is when discarded, lost, or abandoned fishing gear traps and often kills marine life. Today we're going to find out what exactly ghost fishing is, what animals are affected by ghost fishing, the economic effects of ghost fishing, and what is being done to mitigate this problem. Let's dive in! Ghost fishing is a term that refers to the continual fishing done by derelict fishing gear, which is gear that was left behind by its original owners. Derelict gear, or ghost gear as I'll call it from now on, can become ghost gear in one of three ways. By being lost, by being disposed of, or by being abandoned, each with a varying degree of foul play. First, we have the most innocent way gear can become ghost gear, which is by being lost. Lost gear is pretty self-explanatory and can happen in bad weather, or when gear malfunctions. It is natural that gear is lost from time to time, but luckily a lot of gear that gets lost can be reclaimed by fishermen if they act fast, and that's often what happens. Next up, and not so innocent, there's disposed gear, which is gear deliberately left at sea. A fisherman might choose to do this to avoid the costs of disposing gear on land, or because at the time of disposal, there's too much gear for space on board. Lastly, with the most foul play, gear can become ghost gear if it's been abandoned at sea. A fisherman might abandon gear at sea because they're carrying illegal gear, or because they're participating in illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing practices, and need to dispose of the evidence. Through these three main channels, it averages out so that all fishing vessels lose on average about 1% of their gear per year, adding to the current stockpile. 1% per fishing vessel may not sound like a lot, but conservative estimates say that that's about 800,000 tons being added annually to our oceans worldwide. Some of the most recent estimates state that there is already 4.4 kilometers of net per square kilometer of fishing ground already present in our oceans. That's a lot. This high volume of ghost gear can do a lot of damage. The Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations estimates that 982 fishes are caught per square kilometer of ghost net. That's a lot of wasted fish in just one teeny tiny fraction of fishing grounds. 
The reason that ghost gear can cause so much damage is because the ghost gear is just old fishing gear, which was literally designed to trap fishes. So nets or traps that are left behind and become ghost gear still catch fish, and then as those fish die and decay wherever the gear ends up, they continue to bait other fish and marine animals, who can ultimately get caught as well, which creates a cycle of baiting and capture. And that cycle, my friends, is why ghost gear is such a harmful type of plastic debris. In addition to fish, ghost nets and traps can capture and harm other marine life as well. Sharks, sea fans, mussels, birds, whales, sea turtles, crabs, dolphins, and seals are all species that can fall victim to ghost gear. This menace is especially tragic for threatened species. For example, the pink sea fan. Pink sea fans, which are beautiful soft corals in the Northeast Atlantic Ocean and West Mediterranean Sea, are a protected species already vulnerable to many global change factors, such as those talked about in my coral bleaching episode. Being that they are already vulnerable species, damage done by ghost fishing nets as they drift by and entangle the pink sea fans takes a serious toll on the species. These corals have a slow growth rate, which is a key concern to their recovery, and the added stressor of ghost fishing further lowers their chances of survival. Ghost nets are also a huge threat to vulnerable seal species. In 2003, a study that was published stated that over 58% of all species of seals, fur seals, and sea lions, aka pinnipeds, have been recorded as entangled. And such is the case for the Hawaiian monk seal. Hawaiian monk seals are endangered and are a type of pinniped that gets consistently tangled in ghost gear. With the IUCN red list stating that there are only 632 adult Hawaiian monk seals left, the absence of each individual is felt by the entire population when one is taken by ghost gear. So ghost fishing affects far more than just typical fish species. In fact, it's estimated that 45% of marine mammals listed on the IUCN red list are affected negatively by ghost gear. And sadly, these marine animals that get entangled in ghost gear often face excruciating and chronic injuries, if not death. Animals that get tangled in anchored ghost gear, say a seal caught in an anchored net, will be prevented from returning to the surface to breathe, and in a surge of panic and intense distress, will eventually drown. In other cases, say a whale entangled in a large rope, we might see a significant decline in feeding and locomotion ability, which can cause chronic pain and distress over periods of months to years. So, while it might be tempting to only consider the effects of ghost fishing on fish, it actually affects a wide variety of marine invertebrates, vertebrates, and mammals as well. Not only is ghost fishing harmful to beloved marine life, it is also harmful to the beloved economy. Many economically important species are often victims to ghost gear, and every fish ensnared by ghost gear rotting at the bottom of the ocean is a fish that is lost to the industry. To try and quantify these losses of ghost fishing, one study in Oman actually placed traps on the seafloor and tracked the fish trapped and killed by the ghost gear. I guess you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. 
When the scientists inspected the traps after three months, they found that on a weight basis that 94% of what had been trapped was commercial catch, aka fish that would be sold at the store to consumers, and that each trap had accumulated about $145 worth of fish over the three-month period. After six months, they still saw increases in the traps, although slower, and calculated that each trap had a net worth of around $168 worth of fish. So, we can conclude that in this study area, ghost fishing results in significant economic losses, and this study area is not unlike fishing areas elsewhere in the world, where estimates say that there are 4.4 kilometers of net per square kilometer of fishing area. An even bigger study done in Virginia over a four-year period used data from a program that employed commercial watermen to remove marine debris to look at the effects of ghost fishing in the Chesapeake Bay. The study found that blue crabs, a hugely profitable commercial species, were getting trapped in ghost gear at an estimated rate of 900,000 individuals each year along most of Virginia's tidal waters. These results indicate that Virginia's fishing industry is losing roughly $300,000 to ghost fishing every year. Try and explain that one to your boss. It is clear to see that in fishing hotspots around the world, ghost fishing can greatly impact the economic success of fisheries. However, you may be thinking, what if it's really expensive to reclaim ghost gear? Great question. A study that focused on ghost gear in Puget Sound, Washington, generated a comparison of the market value of the Dungeness crabs caught in each ghost net versus the cost of removing the net. The study found that for every ghost gill net, there was a loss of $19,656 worth of Dungeness crabs to commercial fisheries, but that it only cost $1,358 to remove a net clearly crowning ghost gillnet removal as the most economical solution. With scientific studies revealing the elusive halls of ghost fishing, the demand for a solution to mitigate the problem is increasing. The best way to reduce the negative effects of ghost gear is to stop more from entering the ocean. If you recall from earlier in this episode, scientists are estimating that about 800,000 tons of ghost gear are being added to our oceans annually. The best ways to stop the flow of new gear into the system are by education, free net recycling sites, and by keeping the fishing industry out of vulnerable areas. NOAA's marine debris program, pop science articles, and podcasts like this one all help contribute to the net of education about this issue. And, in addition to purely publications, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, kickstarted nine marine debris-related projects in the Republic of Korea and the United States, including cleanup programs and buyback programs for old fishing gear to reduce the creation of new ghost gear. To further this goal, many ports worldwide now offer free net recycling services to deter the temptation to dump nets overboard to avoid recycling fees. In tandem with education of why throwing the nets overboard is bad, free recycling is a very important tool. Moreover, to protect vulnerable species such as the pink sea fans we talked about earlier, increasing the amount of marine protected areas, MPAs, helps prevent further gear dumping in these areas, stopping the flow of new ghost gear into the system. 
However, in some places, even if we do stop the input of ghost gear into the ecosystem, there's already a lot there. To combat the already existing stockpile of ghost gear on the seafloor, there are organized cleanup efforts. The Global Ghost Gear Initiative, GGGI, is a great example of what these efforts can accomplish. Partnering with organizations around the world, GGGI has helped train divers and watermen on proper ghost gear cleanup methods, as well as hold cleanups across six continents. Programs like this are integral to ghost gear cleanup success. For example, NOAA's Marine Debris Program has retrieved 2.1 million pounds of ghost gear from 41 locations across the United States. Ghost gear is a problem with clear solutions. Now it's up to us to continue to put these solutions into action. We covered a lot today, so let's review. We learned that ghost gear is lost, disposed of, or abandoned fishing gear that ends up on the seafloor or floating through the ocean. Ghost gear continually fishes, catching economically valuable fish and crabs, as well as marine invertebrates and marine mammals, including endangered animals like the Hawaiian monk seal. We also learned that the fishing industry stands to lose significant profits to ghost gear, and that in most cases, the cost of cleaning up the ghost gear is far less than the price of the commercial species caught within the gear. Lastly, we were able to end on a somewhat positive note and talk about the mitigation efforts of this problem. Organizations around the world are coming together to help make ghost fishing a problem of the past. And that's all I have for you on ghost fishing. Thanks for listening, and next time we will discuss another type of ghost fishing. The type of ghost fishing where the ghosts of all the fish you had as a child still haunt you every single time you approach a body of water. Just kidding. But in all seriousness, we will talk about another urgent issue related to ghost fishing called ghosting fish, a very common problem faced by fish in the online dating scene. Sorry, okay, I couldn't make it through a whole episode without making those bad jokes, but at least I saved them for the end. So thanks for listening. episode was written, edited, recorded, and produced by me, Anya Steiner. My theme and all original music was written and produced by Michael Sanchez, and this episode has 14 citations, which as always will be linked in the show notes. Thanks a bunch! Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.